Amen. Thank you, musicians, for leading us in worship. Let's get in prayer together. The Holy Spirit is with us today. Holy Spirit that helps us understand the Word of God. So let's pray. A resurrected Jesus, we're so thankful that you sent your Spirit into the world so that the gospel could be proclaimed in all places and in all languages. Holy Spirit, today would you open our ears to hear the word of the Lord. Would you open our hearts to receive it with humility and love and joy? And would you open our hands to respond in obedience? Jesus, we give ourselves to you. And we thank you for giving yourself to us. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. So it is really good to see you all. Um, and I say that because I have been gone for church from church for uh, probably the longest time in many, many years, since like times of deep doubt um, when I was much younger. But I was planning on being gone for two weeks. I went on a trip with my family to the UK. My hu husband had some work there, and we made it into a family vacation. And uh, you have to test you know, for COVID all the time. And so I tested negative to fly back, and then on the plane, I thought, I think I have COVID, <laughs> and I did, and I was sick, I'm okay now, and then my children got COVID, and they did not get sick, um, and now I'm better, so I missed four weeks here. But in the meantime, uh, I experienced rest, and I experienced the presence of Jesus with me, and I was able to worship at Holy Trinity Brompton Church in London, which is one of my favorite churches, and so, um, it was good to be away, and it's really great to be back. So as I, as I said, as I was gone, there was a lot of highs and lows I experienced. Um, one of the highs I just want to share with you, we, we were driving through Dartmoor National Park in London, and this park is known for being the home of the world's largest land slug, which I did not see. That's okay. But what I did see was ponies grazing as we were hiking up a hill and we hiked up the hill and there they were in a little bunch grazing and then as we started to come down um, they started chasing each other you can see that's my husband and judah and i'm i'm taking the film they were really close i could almost feel the wind from them as they ran by and i was inspired with awe and amazement it was, it was amazing. This is a very short moment in my life, but I was like, oh my, thank you, God. It was amazing. It was, it's kind of a sign, at least a sign for God's continued creating genius. Oh, man. That's what heaven will be like. So, oh, it was wonderful. Awesomeness and delight. And so with that, We'll begin the teaching this morning. Today we are finishing our series on the signs in John's gospel. Beginning at Lent, we started preaching through these signs that John writes are written to show that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that we believe that. And by believing, we'd have life in his name. And so I just want to review the signs together. Maybe 
you weren't here for a Sunday, you missed one. So here's the signs. If, if you missed one or you thought, oh, I didn't think about that, I encourage you to take some notes and go back and read these passages together. So the first sign John writes about is um, when Jesus turns the water into wine in Cana. We can remember they had run out of wine and Jesus asks the servants to fill these huge jars with water and the water becomes wine and it's not just plain wine. It is really fancy, expensive, except Jesus made it so there was no money involved, but fine, fine wine. This is the first sign that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. The second sign is this fascinating healing that Jesus does when a royal official comes to him and says, hey, my son is sick, and the son is not there, but Jesus speaks the word, and the son in another city is healed. Jesus' second sign. The third sign happens in Jerusalem at the pool of Bethsaida. There's a man who's a paralytic, and Jesus heals him. This story is a little sad because the man is physically healed but does not receive the spiritual healing that Jesus offers. The fourth sign, one of my favorites, when Jesus feeds 5,000 men, so we know it's much more than 5,000 people because there were women and children there with just a few loaves and fishes. This sign is so important, it shows up in each of the Gospels. Then Jesus walks on water, And then Jesus heals a man who's been born blind, a man blind since birth. On Palm Sunday, Pastor Lars preached, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. This is the story where we learn that Jesus wept at the death of his friend, but also cried, Lazarus, come forth, and he does. And this is a story that gets us ready for what we celebrated last Sunday. Maybe you were here. I was worshiping at home. But we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, where he has died publicly in a humiliating way on the cross. And then by the power of the Spirit, the same power we have, by the way, he is raised from the dead. It demonstrates his power over death and sin and the evil one. Those are the seven signs plus the resurrection, the eighth sign Seven is a sign of completion, and so when you add one more on that, it's like completion plus extra wonderful bonus time. And then we get one more, one more sign today in John chapter 21. This sign is sometimes called the miraculous catch of fish. So I'm going to read this aloud today. Usually we do put the text up on the screen, but this is such a sensory story. I encourage you to use your imagination and go here with me. This takes place, John says, on the lake of Tiberias, the Sea of Tiberias, which is the Sea of Galilee. So it's early morning. It's still dark. Maybe if you look hard enough, you can see a tiny, tiny bit of sunrise starting on the the southeast horizon. It's spring, it's cold. The wind is blowing, you feel it. Maybe you're a little chilly. You can smell that freshwater smell that maybe has a little dead fish smell in it. You know that lake smell. And there are pebbles below your feet and you you can hear the water coming up on the shore. Okay, let's go there and hear the story together. John, 
chapter 20, verse 30, through 21, verse 14. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked, and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with some fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And he did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So we've seen the signs, the seven signs plus the resurrection, and now there is this last sign in John's gospel. And and this is a bit different from the others. With the exception of Jesus walking on water, all the other signs are done in in public, and people see them. But this is a, a sign that is just for the disciples. It's just those seven disciples who witnessed the sign that day. And this sign with the four things that Jesus says, continue to show how much Jesus loves and cares for his disciples and for his ongoing desire to be in relationship with them and with us. So the disciples have gone back home and they're fishing. Now, I've read commentators who will sometimes not give the disciples a hard time for this. Why are they fishing? They should be telling people about Jesus. Jesus called them out of fishing. Why are they fishing again? But, I mean, we have to give these guys a break. They have had lots of highs and lows over the last few weeks. Think about it. There was this exciting entrance into Jerusalem with Jesus on the donkey. There was some very hard 
teachings that he gave. There was this meal they had together, the Passover Seder, which Jesus said some surprising things. And then right after this, this this night on the Mount of Olives with the praying and, and the falling asleep, and then there was this unfair trial and then the crucifixion where they witnessed their friend be brutally murdered. And then grief, the grief over their friend's death, but then the resurrection. I mean, this has been highs and lows and highs and lows. And sometimes when you have highs and lows, what you want to do is something that you know how to do and you're good at. You know what I mean? I I weave. When things are weird, I just like to weave. (laughs) I'm good at it. There's a rhythm to it, right? And I bet it's the same. I'm not a fisher person, but I bet it's the same for these fishermen, right? The fishing is in their bones. It's in their blood. It's what some of them have inherited from their family, right? When things are weird, you can just go fishing, and it feeds them. So, so Peter's like, I'm going fishing. <laughs> and we know James and John are also fishermen, and they're like, yes, us. And there are these other four, and maybe, maybe Andrew's one of them. He would have been fishermen so they are going to go fishing they are good at it they know how to do it they get on the boat they push out and they fish all night which is the best time to fish and they catch nothing they are failing at fishing they're failing at something that they have been really good at before but in the midst of their failure Jesus appears first they don't know it's Jesus but he shows up in their failures. And the first thing Jesus says to them in their failures is, children, you don't have any fish, do you? The way this question is asked is expecting a negative answer, right? And he's calling, and it's kind of darkish, and they don't recognize him. But, you know, I don't really think he's asking about the fish themselves. I think what he's saying is, hey, you guys, how's it going? How's it going out there? You want to tell me? I care about you. I care about how things are going up there. You want to tell me how's it going, you guys? I mean, and this shows Jesus' deep, deep care for his disciples. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, why does he ask that? Because he knows he's God. He created the universe. Why does he ask them how it's going? He knows it's a bad day. But just because he knows doesn't mean that's a relationship. He knows, but he wants them to tell him. He wants them to tell them how he's going because that is a relationship when one person says empathically, I care about you, how are you doing? And the other person says, well, I'm failing. I'm failing at fishing. No, we haven't caught any fish. How's it going? Shows us that Jesus cares. Jesus cares about us. He cares about us in our moments of success and our moments of failure. I was reminded of this this week when I was uh, emailing with another pastor in the central conference of our denomination, and he said, hey, I see you're a pastor of spiritual formation. I just read this great book, this great manual for discipleship you should read, and I thought, great, another book for my pile. But he sent me the book, and it was a PDF. And it was written by one of his members in his congregation, a nine-year-old girl named Haley, just on her own, wanted to write a discipleship book. And here's the cover. 
It's called follow and teach God's word. And just don't you love those dogs? Um, <laughs> follow and teach God's word. And it has a pretty extensive table of contents. You can see it here. Um, and we're just going to look at number 10, which says... To keep a strong relationship with God may sound easy, but sometimes it can be very difficult. My one recommendation is to always know that God cares for you and loves you. To keep a strong relationship with God may sound easy, but sometimes it's very difficult. My one recommendation, this is the last part of her book, is to always know that God cares for you and loves you. God cares for us. Jesus cares for us. He says, how are you doing? And he wants us to tell him the truth. We see this in Jesus' bonus sign for his disciples. And we also see this in the text Peter, who was there that day, later wrote in a letter to the church, cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Tell him how you're doing. Tell Jesus about your Tell him about that list that you feel like you can't get through in the morning. Tell him about your relationship struggles. Tell him about things you're really having a hard time dealing with. He knows, but he wants you to tell him because that's a relationship. Cast all your anxiety. Cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. I encourage you, if you, ha if you don't know this text, please take a picture and memorize it and then obey it because it will help you, will help you. Jesus cares for us. So speaking of the word cast, which Peter says here, it's also a fishing word. This is the word that Jesus says in the next thing that he says to the disciples. He says, hey, you guys, cast your net, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some fish. Same word, cast. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, you guys, have you tried this? Now, maybe you think, huh, well, it seems kind of like a no-brainer. Maybe you would just do that automatically. But from what I understand about first-century fishing boats is on the right side of the boat is the oar. So you always fish off the left side of the boat. And Jesus is saying, hey, throw your net starboard. Try it different. Try it different this time. And this is the gift of a good spiritual counselor or a good Christian friend. Jesus is demonstrating the spiritual gift of wisdom and knowledge and discernment, saying, hey, hey, try this other thing. And so in Jesus' care for us, we see this opportunity and invitation that maybe sometimes Jesus has a word for us that is different, doing something different than what we had thought. Now, I'm not saying every time there's a weird idea, do it because it's Jesus. I'm not saying that. But sometimes the Holy Spirit might inspire someone to speak into our lives something we hadn't considered before, and then we can try it. Try it. So they do. And it's successful. And they're doing it, and they don't even yet know it's Jesus, right? They're just desperate. Okay, I guess so. And so they, I don't know what they have to do with the oar, but they have to do something, and then, and then put the net off the right side, and they are immediately successful. It is like the fifth day of creation down there, teeming with fish, teeming with fish. And they, they, there's so many, they can't even, what they usually would have done was just like lift it back into the boat, but they can't. They can't get it. And these are seven strong guys. So they have to lug in some sort of awkward way, I'm sure, this fish 
behind the boat while somebody rows, and, and, P- and then John recognizes that it's Jesus, of course, and he says to Simon Peter, it's the Lord. And I, I just love Peter's personality. He cannot wait. He is so excited. He, he, well, it says he was naked, but I really think he was probably fishing in some kind of like shorts or undergarment. But that would have been dishonorable to his rabbi to show up in his underpants. So he takes his over his tunic and puts it on and kind of wraps it around his legs and jumps in the water, swimming to shore. Wouldn't you have loved to have seen that? While the rest of the guys are having to do all the work. And they get to shore. They get to shore. And Jesus says the next thing to them. They get to shore with all their fish. And Jesus says, hey, you guys, bring some of the fish you just caught. That's, that's kind of funny. I mean, they did, literally they caught it, right? But I, they had some help from the Lord. But Jesus gives them full credit for it. Bring some of the fish you just caught. It reminds me, and maybe you've been in a situation like this. You're at maybe a, a party or a celebration, a dinner with family members or friends, and then the dad says, hey, um, it's time for dessert, and I want you guys to know that Benjamin made the cake. And Benjamin is four, and you know that when he made the cake, he stirred it with the spatula three times, and then he licked the spatula. You know that mom or dad purchased the cake mix, broke the eggs, put the oil in the water in, greased the pan. Maybe he helped with that. Put it in, preheated the oven, put it in the oven, pulled it out of the oven, definitely, right? We know how much Benjamin helped, but we all say, yay, Benjamin, thank you. This is the best cake I've ever had. Thanks for help. Thanks for making it. I can't believe you made it. Amazing, right? That's what Jesus is doing for the disciples. He's saying, bring some of the fish you just caught because he wants to show them that their participation in his purposes is important. Jesus wants us to help in the kitchen, even if we're not very good. He wants us to do it because he values us, and he cares about us, and he wants to be in a relationship working with us. That's part of his character that he's demonstrating in this sign. Bring some of the fish you just caught. I want your help. I want your help. And then finally, Jesus says the last thing, which I'm really not going to paraphrase. He says, come and have breakfast. Come eat with me. This is nothing new for the disciples. They have been eating with Jesus since the first chapter in John when they spend the day with him, right? They would have eaten. We think of all the times that Jesus has eaten with his disciples and with other people, from the wedding in Cana, to eating with tax collectors and sinners, to that last supper, the Passover meal that they celebrated together around table, to the the feast for 5,000 men plus women and children eating together. Jesus wants to eat with them again and again and again. This morning, with the charcoal fire and the fish grilling and the bread cooking over the fire, I mean, just imagine that smell especially if you like fish and bread. Jesus invites them once more to eat at table with them while he sits with them. And this is so important for us to know because Jesus' resurrected body is not some transparent spirit that the disciples can see through. 
My friends, we worship a God who was and is embodied human. Jesus eats with his disciples. He doesn't pretend to eat. He is actually eating. And it shows us what the nature of human embodiment is. That our faith is not just something in the sky that's spiritual. Our faith is deeply embodied, and this is why what we do with our bodies matters so much. This is why Jesus invites all kinds of people around, them, around him and eats with them, because our God is embodied. He is human and divine, and we see his humanity and his divinity in full display in the story. Matter matters. And when people eat together, it's a level table, right? A crooked table, everything would slide off, but it's a level table. It's an opportunity for peace. It's an opportunity for listening and conversation. This past Friday, the Jewish holidays a canopy course that I've been leading this year met for Passover. And some people invited friends. And, and one man, I'd never met him before, we're sitting around at table, we've had the Seder presentation, we're eating dinner, and he looks at me and he says, Pastor Joy, I have not had an experience at a church like this before. Eating together as Christians and inviting those is so, so, so important. And, and Kathy spoke about this, and she and I didn't coordinate. That's just the work of God. So remember, God really wants us to hear this message today. Right? And one of the people there that day with Jesus is John, the one who wrote the gospel, the one who also wrote down the revelation, the vision that he had of Jesus at the end of the Bible. And in the book of Revelation, there's seven letters that Jesus speaks to different churches. One of the churches is called the church in Laodicea. Laodicea is known for being very, very wealthy and very, very religious, but they don't know Jesus. They have locked him out of their life. And in the letter to Laodicea, Jesus says, listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Jesus wants to eat with us. He wants to be in fellowship with us. And not just one meal, one time, fancy in a restaurant in Chicago. It's every day, every day in fellowship. As Jesus says, how are you doing? And then you tell him the truth. And then he says, have you tried this? And you say, no, <laughs> but I will. And then he says, hey, I want you to help. And you say, okay, okay. I am still learning, but I'm going to try my best. And he says, I want to eat with you. Because this is the God that we worship. The God who took on human form, not as a costume, but as truly, truly embodied. And this is a cause for joy for us because this is one of the things that makes Christianity so unique among religions. This is the sign for us, the sign of Jesus' care, the sign of his care. Cast all your cares on him, wrote the fisherman, for he cares for you. I don't want us to be the church in Laodicea. I don't want to be like the church where we do religious things and have locked Jesus out. I'm not saying we are. I don't think so. I hope not. I pray not. But I want us to be the church 
that has opened the doors fully to Jesus to come into our lives and our hearts, to tell him what's bothering us, to pray, to be in communion with him and with one another, and to sit at table together. And my friends, that is my hope and prayer for you and for me. I'm going to close in prayer. I invite the band to come up. And so as, we, as, we, as I pray for us, listen to what the Spirit is saying to you today. Whether it's a renewal, a commitment to tell Jesus how you're doing, to participate in what Jesus has for you to do, to try something new or to eat, to be, you can take that, to be in fellowship together. What is the word that Jesus has for you today? Because he spoke to the disciples then, and through the Spirit, thank God, he is speaking to us again today. So let's pray. Jesus, some of us might feel today like a failure, like we're failing at something that we have done over and over again successfully, and now suddenly we've hit a wall, and it is all night fishing and nothing, and we feel empty and at our wit's end. Jesus, would you speak to my friends who are in this place? Jesus, for those who are looking for a a way out, something different, in your wisdom, would you speak to them by your spirit or through another disciple to invite them to see something in a new way, to try something different? And not just because it's different, because it's from you and you can see all the angles. Jesus, some of us are still learning how to participate in your story. And if this is an ongoing story for all of us, we thank you for your affirmation and the invitation that you give us credit for catching the fish or making the cake, even when we just helped a little bit, because this is the kind of father you represent. Would you work in our hearts to desire to participate more? And finally, Jesus, we want to eat with you, not just one time, not just once a month when we have communion, but every single day to know that you're with us, that you're with us through the Spirit, and that we, just like we have to eat and drink to stay alive, that our eternal life is necessary to open that door and let you in so that we are able to eat and drink with you now and that we are able to believe and have life eternal. Jesus, thank you for showing us who God is. Thank you for your, the story of you that shows us how you are by your spirit work in all our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. Stand with us one last time and praise and celebrate what Christ has done for us this morning.